episode 228 of The Yellow Wallpot. It's your host Stefan Butzko together with Lars Pollmann. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> I am okay as well. <laughs> we have to talk about a lot of things because it's international break. We have the international break Q&A for you, but... Uh, Before we have to talk about that, we of course have to get the uh, pesky scoreless draw in Salzburg out of the way and the uh, 1-0 win against Hanover. We'll quickly gloss over that. But before we get to the, uh, I don't know, shambles, I guess, uh, we have to be very thankful first. And uh, there are three guys who will be very happy with the Marco Rose Stadium Cup this week or the next one depending on how quick the German mail is but uh, nevertheless Oli Shepard, John Lambert and Sam Allison have pledged 15 bucks for us to purchase that beautiful plastic cup of the highest quality material I guess this is what Borussia Dortmund are using for their stadium cups nevertheless uh, shipping is already included so they will be on your on the way to your house soon thanks again to you for your support and uh, Lars As a Borussia Dortmund fan, did you feel the support of the team uh, for the fans when they had this? Um, it's I don't I don't want to say performance. This a game away to Salzburg, which yielded in the scoreless draw. Well, I don't really consider myself too much of a fan any longer. Uh, but as someone who still sympathizes with Dortmund very much, uh, yeah, that wasn't really a great performance. A no show from too many players. Uh, I didn't like that Peter Stöger attacked some individuals after the game, but he wasn't downright incorrect in addressing uh, effort issues from a couple of guys. Uh, Götze did have a terrible first half, for example, but a few others had as well. Uh, just never felt like Dortmund really believed in their chance to turn a result around that wasn't too bad. I mean, uh, a two-goal victory over Salzburg that should be feasible for a side as talented as Dortmund are. So whatever it was that led to that no-show uh, in Salzburg, that's a pretty damning uh, sign for, you know, this group of players, uh, the coaching staff, and basically the entire club, because it was really the culmination of a quite pathetic run in Europe this season. I mean, they only qualified for for the Europa League thanks to the existence of a club from Cyprus in the Champions League, which they failed to beat twice. And then they should have been eliminated against Atalanta, which isn't, you know, the the greatest side in, in the world and, and certainly not a team that should give Dortmund too much trouble. And they advanced thanks to a lucky goal by Marcel Schmelzer of all people. So... There were a couple of coincidences uh, that led to Dortmund even being there uh, for the Salzburg games. And then they didn't show up for either one of them, really, because the first leg wasn't much better than the second one. Yeah, that's that's just a poor showing and and something that will leave a mark on this season, in my opinion, and, and will certainly lead to some discussions internally and, and will be one of many points that will presumably lead to a new head coach and a couple of changes in the squad, which we will get to later, I guess. Yeah, when I made my way from Düsseldorf back to Dortmund after dropping my wife off at the airport, I was listening to the Ruhrnachrichten BVB podcast, 
greetings to Sascha Stadt and friends at this point. And they were basically talking about whether this was a low point in years. Um, would you, would you agree that this was a new low for several years? I mean, Dortmund had a lot of pathetic games here and there, but to me, I actually think they, they have a case there. Yeah. I think, uh, even going back to some of the years in, in Europe that weren't too successful, uh, for example, the final club season going out unceremoniously against Juventus or, uh, after their first championship when they, uh, exited in the group stages there were always some mitigating circumstances but uh Dortmund were considered one of the three or four favorites to win the Europa League uh, not by us necessarily because we watched them all the time but by people going just by strength of squad and whatever so for them to not even come close to being good enough to qualify for the quarterfinals uh that is pretty bad yeah so I don't know about Nulo I think if we're talking about New lows this season. Uh, nothing will beat the Schalke draw, in my opinion. But this is certainly, in terms of the European stage, uh, was probably the the biggest disappointment in years. So maybe they have a point. Yes. Well, the Schalke draw at least had a good thirty minutes or so. I wouldn't really say that about uh, this game away to Salzburg. It's really harrowing too if you consider Dortmund needed to score twice and their first shot came like in the 45th minute but Roy missed the ball and the first chance that you could actually count this one came after the other hour mark. And what I found the most damning on the team is that I think Master Schmelzer talked about this after the game that they wanted to build cleanly in quotation marks from the back in the first half and find uh, solutions with their build-up play and that didn't work and then they just said okay screw it uh, we'll put in another striker with Alexander Isak and then we'll just try long balls and beat Salzburg's pressing that way. In one way of course I can see where they're coming from but on the other hand if you are Borussia Dortmund and you need to score two goals just to you know spray and pe uh, and pray basically that's that's just not good enough in my view and it's also really damning on Peter Stöger and the the entire team lacking a complete plan and and not much co coherence I think the only positive takeaway from this game is that uh, Mahmoud Dahoud is in good form he has kept that uh, throughout the last couple of games also shot that against Hanover uh, what was bad is that Danaxel Zagadou in the first drawings under Peter Sugar, if I'm not mistaken picked up a muscle tear and is now potentially out for the rest of the season uh, now, that's a shocker a player who doesn't play for months suddenly called into action or suffers an injury uh, I've never heard about this before yeah Marco Royce also potentially sidelined for the Bayern game but we'll talk about that next week but he also has a muscle injury now um I always ask myself isn't that the sort of player you should be putting in bubble wrap and be super hyper careful with his muscular tissue and then he picks up a muscle injury because he's been playing like every two seconds um I don't know if Borussia Dortmund handled that all too well but um you know Speaking of no-shows, um, one last criticism toward RB Salzburg is that uh, there were not enough plastic chairs on their poor excuse for a press stand and I had to stand for like the first 30 or 40 minutes <laughs> before I could actually sit down on a weird commentator chair. So I had a very weird position. 
A lot of our listeners, Stefan, are fighting for being able to stand in Stadia, so that's quite arrogant of you, if I might say so. Yeah, well, but those are fans. I am not a fan, I'm merely an observer, and I would like to sit so I can type and not have to stand in an awkward position where my back hurts last. Anyway, enough whining, <laughs> because... Did, didn't you want to talk about the, the, the Apple Strudel in yes, Salzburg? exactly, because, you know, my aim was going to Salzburg for two days that uh, when we would be heading back that I was thinking about the nice experience we had and not at all about the game because I sort of already had a hunch uh, Dortmund would not really cover themselves in glory there. And indeed, Salzburg is a very nice town. You should definitely go there if you can. And uh, the next day we had a little dip into the Alps, which was also very nice. So um, I can highly recommend that. Alps basically right around the corner, you get a lot of great panorama views there. And uh, of course, the Austrian cuisine is also mighty fine. And Apfelstrudel is always to be highly recommended. Anyway, um, Borussia Dortmund out of the Europa League. Uh, I guess it's for the best because, um, you know, Dortmund always looked a bit tired, players out of shape and, uh, you know, not in any rhythm. So maybe time on a training ground can help. I don't know. I'm clutching straws, but, uh, Let's move over to Hanover. It was a, in the end, hard fought win, but I thought it was still thoroughly deserved. First of all, because I thought Hanover were pretty terrible and Dortmund had a lot of chances, hit the post twice, but Roy in the first minute, for example, uh, scored off a set piece. And, um, yeah, I don't know about you, Lars, but to me, that was more or less the old script. Dortmund looked, you know, came out of the gates flying first 20 minutes, then, uh, form deteriorated. They were lucky enough to score the goal and uh, sort of, you know, dominated in the first half pretty well until like the last two minutes. And then, you know, until the 70th minute or so, I thought Hanover were let into the game quite a lot. What what do you think? Yeah, I saw it similarly. Uh, I think they came out of the gates really well, but that's something that happens a lot after European games. Uh, oddly enough, people always say uh, teams need like, 30 minutes to gather themselves, but to me, it feels like it's the opposite uh, for Dortmund. At least most of the time, they look better at the start of games. Uh, scored the goal early enough. What was it? 27th minute or so. Uh, great 24th. finish. 24th. Yeah. Great finish from Batshuay. Uh, but then, I mean, you said Hannover were terrible. Uh, they certainly didn't do too much offensively. Uh, I didn't think they had a bad game per se, you know, in terms of their organization, whatever, but, uh, Dortmund still weren't able to kill off the game. Um, and, and, and that always, uh, is the danger playing against these sides that are well organized, but not too talented. Uh, if you don't kill the game, you allow a mediocre team in terms of individual talent to get back into it with a set piece or one counterattack or by you making one mistake. So, I kind of felt like the Augsburg match might repeat itself or maybe even the Freiburg match from earlier in the uh, in the calendar year, uh, which were both draws against opponents Dortmund should beat at home. So ultimately, I think Hannover weren't brave enough uh, to really exploit some of the weaknesses Dortmund again showed. Uh, but 
to end on a positive note, I uh, thought that uh, it was probably the most cohesive performance from uh, from Dahoud uh, so far in a Dortmund shirt. I mean, he was the focal point of basically every attack, and he looked so much calmer than he had in the the past few weeks. It really shows how much he relies on confidence, and also uh, I thought Manuel Kanji was uh, really good in this game. So uh, two players that really need to show up well for Dortmund going forward, especially from next season, I would say. Uh, that was quite encouraging from from those two. Yeah, definitely. I actually have a couple of the who quotes um, from Michael Sorb transcribed on on ESPN. And uh, I, I got to say, the sporting director uh, was pretty impressed. He said, he is becoming more and more our conductor in central midfield. He is someone that never hides, who demands the ball, also in difficult situations. He's gaining more and more security. I was very impressive today by his industrious shift. He's one of the players that covers the most ground. The future belongs to Mo here at Borussia Dortmund. I'm convinced of that. So that's very positive. I, I guess, um, you know, it sort of also fits into the mold that uh, Watzke was talking about in his Back to the Roots interview, where he was talking about this winning mentality and maybe also a player that, uh, you know, Plays a bit dirtier here and there. I think uh, Dahoud sometimes has these moments where, uh, you know, either only one of the ball and the opponent gets past him, but not both. And uh, I think that's not necessarily a bad quality. Um, so, yeah, I'm also very encouraged. You said it, confidence makes a lot of difference. And uh, I gotta say, though, Hanover didn't really press Dortmund a lot with their 5-2-3-1 midfield. They were more or less outnumbered in midfield, which gave a player like Dahoud a little bit too much space. Um, but, you know, that's not Dahoud's fault and he made the boss the best out of it. So again, very impressive. Uh, and it's, it's really good to see that there's a player that finally goes for these vertical balls and, uh, I don't know. To me, right now, he looks like the most complete, well-rounded central midfielder Dortmund have. I know these things can change quickly, but do you think for the rest of the season he is the uh, undisputed starter if he continues to play as he has been doing in the last two or three games? Yeah, well, going by those two or three games, uh, certainly. But as you said, it's only two or three games. Uh I'd like to see it on a more consistent basis. The good thing for him and the bad thing for Dortmund is that there's not really a lot of competition in terms of complete midfielders uh, in the performances of, you know, Julian Weigel, Nuri Schein. We've talked about them a lot uh, on this show throughout the season, basically. Uh, Gonzalo Castro not happening. Uh, Götze is more of a number 10 under Stöger. Uh, Guerrero hasn't really played in central midfield and hasn't really played at all. So by default, they are really relying on Dahoud's uh, performances keeping up. And if they do, I mean, there's a reason we were very excited when he signed for Dortmund last season. So uh, if if he can keep it up and, and go into next season with some momentum, I think uh, he'll come good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you already mentioned uh, Manuel Akanji, another very impressive performance by him. Um, he looks to me already like the player that Dortmund wanted to have. A very quick defender, very intelligent player that can, uh, you know, have his moments in build-up play. I, I think with a couple more, you know, 
fine tuning with a bit more fine tuning i think his hollywood passes quote unquote will actually arrive and uh, i really like his positioning and his tackling it all looks very serene he looks very calm while doing it um obviously a Borussia Dortmund defense will always be exposed here and there, but uh, overall, I thought it was a very commanding performance, and I was actually a bit sad to see Toprak uh, being subbed off after 45 minutes because I want this partnership to gel a little bit more because I think Toprak and Akanji is the best center bit pairing that Dortmund have, and it would be sad if it was to be ruined by injuries going forward, but... Uh, as far as we know, Toprak should be fine after the international break and can continue. I don't know what his, what Sugar's plans are now, uh, because usually he's not one to rotate a lot if it, if there isn't an international competition. So uh, maybe that's the uh, center back pairing for the rest of the season. But what do I know? Um, last your two cents on Akanji. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm basically in agreement with what you said. Uh, he's the kind of player Dortmund were looking for. A more complete uh, center back than certainly Socrates uh, and maybe even Toprak, even though I really like Toprak as regular listeners will know. Um, his athleticism is really important for the team. Uh, he's calm, as you said. His passing quality is so much better than Socrates. Uh, so uh, now that they are out of Europe, they should, in my opinion, really focus on Akanji Toprak, as you said, uh, not only because it works the best for right now, but also because I think the future. most of us, yes, believe that uh, that's going to be the pair for next season as well, with Socrates presumably off in the summer. Uh, and I'm not sure Dortmund will spend enough money for a new centre-back in the summer that would, you know, force his way into that pairing over... Toprak, I guess, because uh, let's face it, Dortmund don't pay 21.5 million euros or whatever it was uh, in the end for a, a young centre-back if they don't believe he's going to be a long-term starter for them. So Akanji is going to be the number one centre-back soon enough. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, what are the other takeaways from this game? Um, again, as I said earlier, Dortmund did not really look in control after half time. This has been a theme over I don't know how many games now. And uh, I already looked it up during the game. Hanover had 22 completed passes in Dortmund's half in the first 45 minutes. And in the second half, it was, uh, I think, 28 already after 68 minutes or so. And in the end, I think it was 49 or 51 completed passes. So uh, Hanover... Albeit not having too many completed passes in Dortmund's half, they still doubled the amount of, of completed passes. And that certainly tells you that uh, they got a little bit more dominant because uh, Dortmunds like to lose the plot here and there. And um, this is something I certainly don't really appreciate. Um, Michael Zorg after the game said that they are very much aware of that and he tried to explain it with the fact that a lot of players are simply not fit enough or in shape to play every three days. And uh, they are very much hoping that with European football out of the way now that Dortmund can perform as well as in the first 20 minutes against Hanover for maybe 80 or 90 minutes. I personally doubt that, but, uh, you know, prove me wrong. I don't know. Any Anything else you want to take away from that game? I, I, I guess uh, the, the consolation is that it was a very important three points 
staying one behind Schalke going into the international break, right? Yeah, uh, obviously with the schedule not being overly kind for Dortmund who travel to Bayern, uh, travel to Schalke and uh, host Leverkusen, among other things. They also uh, play Hoffenheim who are looking better in recent games. Uh, these matches against middling opposition are basically must wins if Dortmund want to finish in the in the top four which uh, Bayern made more difficult by losing to Leipzig uh, on the same day so uh, certainly a very important three points and uh, even though the tone of our discussion was kind of negative in some ways uh, I want to reiterate that Dortmund were much the better side and deserved to win so the 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 way the game went wasn't perfect from them but if you look at scoring uh, quality uh, scoring chances in the quality of of attacking play i don't think there's any doubt that dortmund deserved to win the game no absolutely no doubt at all dortmund were 100% the deserved winners and maybe we would be a little bit more positive had a couple of more balls gone in instead of against the post uh, <laughs> because uh, yeah it would have been nice for dortmund just to have a, a bit more calmness in their game you know, sitting maybe on a 2 lead or a 3 nil lead. Yeah, they, maybe that, maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I actually looked it up uh, a couple of weeks ago and it still stands there. They did win two games under Stöger with more than one goal in the Bundesliga. That was against Mainz and uh, Hamburg. But in both games, the second goal came so late that basically the entire game was on the edge. So they are still lacking that one convincing you know, 3-0 win over, I don't know, who are they facing soon enough? Uh, Mainz, I guess. Yeah, I Mainz and, and, and Bremen, they are still facing. So they, they they lack that one win where everything clicks. They score the second goal, which they've just absolutely not done. Or if they, whatever they did, they, they turned around and conceded again. So uh, it, it, I think some of the problems right now, uh, are magnified by their inability to control games better through the score. So I guess that's something that they'll just have to live with this season. Uh, it's not like these kind of psychological things, I guess, uh, will just go away at some point by themselves. So uh, I think the rest of the, the way this year, especially with the schedule being as it is, as I said before, uh, Dortmund are basically in for tight game after tight game. Uh, apart from the Bayern game where they will get slaughtered, obviously. Oh, I thought that was the only game where everything clicks and they go 3-0 up and control the game from there on. Yeah, and then we turn off the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, maybe we now turn off the uh, Bundesliga talk and uh, focus our attention on the questions. And uh, I'm just going to read them all out and you're just going to answer them. How, how is that? Yeah, it should be done in five minutes. <laughs> Okay. All right. Odysseus asks, how did this season look so promising within the first part? In parentheses, more promising than either of Tuchel's starts and end up like this? Um, first of all, I don't know about you, Lars, but I think we had uh, numerous discussions at the very beginning of the season here on the Yellow World Pod that uh, the defense looks rather brittle and Dortmund are not all that settled and secure as the uh goal the uh goalless the scoreless the clean sheets whatever you want to call it looked like and suggested 
So I would be a little bit more tame on that notion. However, um, do you have an explanation for why it started out so well and then turned so sour? And uh, a little extra bonus point if you do not use the word schedule. No, I say schedule, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the opponents play, play, play a part, obviously. Um, Peter Bosch's first defeat came against Leipzig. Uh, until then, he had the same opponents minus uh, Hoffenheim and Mainz uh, as Stöger did, and he actually gained more points than Stöger, who the big selling point on his tenure at Dortmund so far is the results being also great. Um, Give me a break, though. I can't hear this, oh, we're unbeaten in the Bundesliga yeah, thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, anymore. it's, 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 a, it's a hollow record when you look at the teams you faced and the, the lack of quality wins. Uh, anyhow. Yeah, I, still, I still remember at the news conference, sorry, I, you know, I was asking him, I think ahead of the Leipzig game about how important it would be for the team's confidence and self-understanding if they would finally beat the top team. And he basically said, yeah, well, uh, we won away to a top team in Gladbach. A, Gladbach this season, nowhere near being a top team. And B, it was the luckiest win in history of lucky wins. So, you know... It's it's really a hollow statement, and I'm really fed up hearing it every other week. So, um, you know, I'm not hoping that Dortmund finally pick up a defeat, but uh, you know, if if the wins or the record could become a little bit more convincing, I would be all for it. Anyway, continue answer Odysseus' question. Yeah, and then uh, I also want to make the point that that you made asking it. Uh, Dortmund weren't great under Peter Bosch in the first few games. Uh, they scored a large amount of uh, exciting goals that, you know, aren't high-quality chances, so that's unsustainable. Naturally, they, the, the goals were going to dry out a little bit, and, you know, the frailties of the high-line defense, we talked about them in preseason. Uh, I predicted Dortmund to finish fifth. Uh, I think Konstantin said he wouldn't be surprised if uh, Bosch was uh, sacked during the season, which, you know, his prediction came true and mine doesn't look too bad right now. So uh, the warning signs were there and, and it's not like Dortmund looked great, but obviously the way it turned sour has to do with... Uh, Bosch basically being a misunderstanding, not a great fit for the squad in terms of his tactical approach, key players being injured as every season, and you know just the squad uh, altogether, in my opinion, not being as good as uh, many people, maybe myself even included, uh, thought at the start of the year. So there are lots of factors to consider, but uh, in terms of you know the start being so great, I'm I'm not so sure that's actually the case. Well, hindsight is always twenty twenty, as they say. Next question, Ixiland, right? That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Asks, and many others as well, who will or should be the successor of Stöger? Is it necessary to replace him or does he only need more time? Well, um, I would actually cut Peter Stöger a little bit of slack in the sense that he really does not have any time at all to work with his team whatsoever. And he certainly does not have a squad that fits into a lot of systems or places. And, um, yeah. So I would just give him the, uh, 
pardon of that his job is really really hard and that he has to focus a lot on the human level and trying to shape confidence and uh, just hope that the players uh, you know feel better about themselves believe in themselves and their own ability and whatnot but um i just don't see peter sugar being mr juego de posición so I personally think Dortmund should play a possession-based football because um, they have uh, the second-highest revenue in the league and ultimately if they play their cards right, which is maybe a big if, but they should have the the second-best squad in the league as well. And we've seen it with Jurgen Klopp um, in the end when Dortmund were more favorites than underdogs, they just could not break opponents down because they did not have footballing solutions because you can't just shoot the ball up front and hope to catch loose balls and beat the team on a transition that's completely defensive minded so Dortmund will have to find footballing solutions on the football field and I right now do not have the confidence in Peter Stöger that they will with the full preseason and maybe a bit of a reshuffle I just don't see him really developing a, a level of football on on a level that would suit Dortmund and uh, you know would actually be the standard you would expect them on. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be Thomas Tuchel, but um, I think there are other candidates out there that could potentially do a better job. Um, but honestly, um, it's not going to be easy to find a better coach because we really do not know who will be available because the main and prime candidate, of course, should be Julian Nagelsmann because he has shown that he has the tactical flexibility and also the sort of possession football that Dortmund actually should play and uh, is a coach whose in-game changes I really do like and I think he would be a good fit to Dortmund. Um, but... I don't know if he's available, if Dittmar Hopp will actually let him go from Hoffenheim and if Nagelsmann is, would be committed to join Dortmund and if something can be moved in the summer. Obviously, you say nothing is impossible in the summer. And then another candidate that I, I think would also fit a little bit better is Hannes Wolf, just because he has shown in Dortmund's youth setup, but also with Stuttgart, I thought that in the, in the second division, but also in the Bundesliga, that they can play a possession football. And I actually think, um, even though it didn't work out quite too good at Stuttgart in the end, that uh, the footballing, the way of thinking of Hannes Wolf would actually suit Dortmund. And uh, yes, he knows the club very well now after spending so many years here and uh, winning uh, championships with the under-17 and under-19. So, um, you know, he's also born in Bochum so you know right around the corner he is very much a guy from within it doesn't doesn't mean that is you know an instant fix but maybe it could just add to the rest of the footballing quality on the other hand he's also a very inexperienced coach because he's still very young only had half of a Bundesliga season now so um I don't know last it's it's going to be a very tough decision to make um for the club officials not only to you know think whether they should continue with Stuttgart or not but also who to replace what do you, what's on your mind do you think Dortmund will replace Stuttgart and do you think Dortmund should replace Stuttgart and if yes 
with whom? Uh, yes and yes. Uh, I mean, at the very latest, the the performance at Salzburg should, you know, be the decisive factor if they still needed uh, one to make that decision. I mean, to go into a game where you need two goals at the minimum and have no plan whatsoever uh, against a team that theoretically, in terms of the style, because it's Red Bull, uh, Stöger as an Austrian who coached against the club, even if it's, you know, five, six years ago, uh, the, the philosophy of the club and the, the kind of players they target, he should know about that. So for that, for Dortmund to, to lay such a goose egg at Salzburg, that was the final, uh, the, the tip of the iceberg in my opinion, but I wanted him gone before. I don't, just don't think he has what it takes. I think he restored his value as a, as a, Good Bundesliga coach who just doesn't have what it takes for, you know, the, the absolute top level. So I'm sure he's going to be in the frame for whatever job opens up, uh, during the season. You know, could see him at Gladbach if he wasn't Cologne, uh, based, but you know, that, that kind of club. So just a notch below, below the, the top level. As for replacements, I think, uh, obviously Nagelsmann would be the ideal candidate. I think, uh, in terms of, as you said, the tactical flexibility, but also his uh, youthful exuberance. I think he, he would be a nice fit for Dortmund and what they want to do and, and you know, be able to maybe give them like a, a, a short new era uh, of three or four years before he moves on to Bayern or whatever. Uh, but it's going to be difficult. So if not him, I'm sure Dortmund will be interested in Lucien Favre again. Uh We've talked about him so much last year that I'm going to cut it short. He apparently, uh, Sportbild, uh, said has a release clause now. So that wouldn't be too bad. And we know Dortmund very much like paying a lot of money for coaches. So why wouldn't they just sign him for three to five million? I guess he's super experienced. Uh, Marco Reus loves him. He's done a good job at Gladbach. So I think that would be just a solid choice, you know, for like two or three seasons as a bridge. Uh, Hannes Wolf, as you mentioned, uh, knows the club very well, would be able to, or, or Dortmund would be able to sell that idea to the fans. I think they would be more welcoming to, you know, some weaknesses in, in Dortmund's play from someone they, they believe in as a person. So for him to be, uh, someone from within the club, basically knowing a lot of the players, uh, I think that would work pretty well. I don't know if he's a good enough coach, basically, but, you know, having spent like 20 minutes with him for an interview that never ran back in my Bleacher Report days, I can at least tell you that he's a great guy to just talk football to. So for whatever that that's worth, uh, he's got that going for him. And and lastly, <laughs> uh, the the guy I want, and I'm Here not... Here we go. <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say? I don't know. I feel like Michael Laudrup is yep. coming around the corner Mike, now. Mick, Michael Laudrup. Uh, I'm not sure it would work. I just really like what he did with Swansea and uh, want him to uh, come back to, you know, the big European stage. He's somewhere in the Gulf States, I think. And and it's not like that's a crazy idea, in my opinion, because he, as was revealed, I think, last week, uh, was very much in the frame for the Barca job before they went to Ernesto Valverde of uh, Club Athletic. So uh, if, if Barca think about a coach 
uh, I think he might be good enough for Dortmund. So I just want to see that. I'm not. I'm. I'm sure it's not going to happen. Uh, but eventually, Michael Laudrup is going to come to Europe or to a bigger club in Europe and and prove me right. I know it. All right, Lars. Um, while we're on that subject, um, and you already mentioned Lucien Favre there, or Stuttgart statistics asks. Does a club of Dortmund's size need to adhere to a coherent sporting philosophy when choosing a coach and players, of course? Or does it make sense to just get a successful coach and build a team around his philosophy, given that different philosophies can work? What do you think? Well, going by the shit show of last summer and searching for a Tuchel replacement where they talked to Stöger, wanted Favre and ended up with Bosch, who, like are three polar opposites in terms of personality and also in some ways in, in terms of the way they their teams play football. I would say Dortmund don't really have a football philosophy and I've actually criticized the lack of football identity is what I said, I think, uh, as one of the main reasons why this season isn't working out so well. So, so yeah, they should formulate goals and and in terms of what they want to put on the field. Uh, I know that, uh, I think talk talked about this, uh, when, when they're looking for new players, they, they want them to be aggressive and fast and be able to, uh, excite the fans or whatever. But it doesn't really feel like they keep that very much in mind when making coaching decisions, as we saw, as I said last summer. So I, w I would like for them to, formulate those goals this is what we want and and you know and you talked about possession football before i think that's the way to go just uh because of uh, the standing of Dortmund as the second biggest club in germany so what they should do is write that down and uh, and and then go into talks with potential coaches who fit that and not just go with you know niko kovac is doing a good job at frankfurt so maybe he should do it Uh, he's not available. Okay, now uh, let's talk to Lucia Farfel. Like, uh, have a plan. Like, it doesn't have to be uh, a great plan. Just have one. Like, that's the first step. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I would have said the same thing if my dog wasn't about to bark. So I give over to you. Um, if I want to add... Um, One little thing, this is the one thing that irks me with Lucien Favre, because um, he is a great coach and I think he would have success at Dortmund. However, he is not a possession football coach and, uh, you know, that would not adhere with Dortmund's, you know, philosophy if they had one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but one question from my side, um, the Lucien Favre topic obviously got a little bit hotter as soon as uh, Marco Royce extended his deal and we already speculated whether uh, you know Dortmund opened their hand to what Royce and showed them their cards and what their plans are do you actually think that uh, Lucien Favre is in the uh, now even more inner circle of candidates to replace Stöger and do you think that in the end also was an argument To keep Royce, do you really think that uh, Favre has been a name that's been uh, very loudly dropped at the Dortmund HQ as Dortmund put pen to paper, uh, Royce put pen to paper? Well, I, I kind of hope for his sake, it doesn't have to be Favre, but that he knows who the next coach is. Because if he signed the extension on goodwill and, you know, the faith that Dortmund will 
be better in the in the short term future then to me that speaks of a lack of ambition on his part so if if i were in royce's uh, spot i would have demanded to know their plans uh, and otherwise said you know what i'm not going to talk about my contract until like july until you know the the new coach or the old coach i don't know maybe sugar gets the extension he doesn't deserve and and maybe some of the transfers are done uh, so uh, i i think he's more ambitious than that you know so I would assume that he knows more than the public does about the coaching situation, about potential transfer targets. Uh, there was some talk this week that he might get the captain's armband uh, from Marcel Schmelzer uh, next season. So there are a couple of factors to consider, but I wouldn't go as far as saying uh, he signed the contract extension because he knows Lucien Favre is coming in. I mean, uh, Favre is going to have a lot of suitors uh if that uh release clause uh, that Sportbild reported is is actually true i mean i wouldn't be shocked if bayern came knocking to to have him as sort of a bridge guy until nagelsmann is ready for a bigger club so get two years from a solid coach in favre uh, and then get nagelsmann or something and there were also some reports that some of uh, the clubs in like qatar or some other gulf state Uh, were interested in Favre, so uh, there's going to be some competition for him. Yeah, definitely. To to sum it up, uh, it's it's still weird to see Dortmund not have a footballing philosophy or identity because I thought, you know, with Thomas Tuchel, they made a very careful choice because they wanted to play possession football. That last summer, so to speaks for that, has been completely lost. And now it's really interesting to see if Dortmund actually formulates something because as you already alluded to um Zorg sometimes speaks of what sort of player he wants but I gotta say from a point of footballing philosophy and identity or whatever you want to call it they keep it very general you know it's not like they really pin it down to a certain style they want to play so um you know I I hope they you know get a little bit more detailed soon anyway next question And I hope I pronounced this name correctly. Srikanth asks, what's the verdict of Dortmund's transfer business the last few seasons? The squad has excessive depth on some positions in parentheses, wingers and midfield and no backup options on others, goalkeeper, fullback. I would even add striker. Also, hasn't there been a steady decline in squad quality despite increasing revenues? On the last bit, Yes, that's very true, but uh, Dortmund sadly are often forced to uh, depart with their best players just because they are bigger fish in the sea and uh, the uh, increasing revenue has more to do with their long-term success of recent years, which has helped them to raise money also through these transfers, but uh, that does not mean that they have a competitive wage ceiling and that means eventually they will always have to depart with their best players and are certainly not competitive with the uh, super rich clubs a la Bayern Munich, Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Chelsea and so on and so forth. PSG, you get the message. So um, on, on that last part, but um, yes, Lars, I would agree in so far that Dortmund's squad isn't completely balanced a little bit lopsided so um do you think that's 
the consequence of Dortmund being more reactionary on the transfer market, being forced to sell their best players? Or do you think that's just also down to a lot of poor choices where they just failed to reinforce as good as they should have? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a combination of factors. I would say that they've not done a great job replacing those uh, key figures that left, uh, at least uh, in some ways. Like Mark Bartra was a great guy, but not a great center back, uh, in my opinion. Uh, he was supposed to replace Mats Hummels, the face of the team, team captain, world-class center back. Not a great surprise that didn't work out too well. Uh, obviously, there were circumstances uh, with the bus bombing and whatever that, you know, kind of cloud our judgment a little bit on Batra. But I would say replacing Hummels with an 8 million euro signing in Batra and then a year later, Toprak, who didn't get to play under the coach that really wanted him. Uh, as I said, not a great surprise that that didn't work out. They completely failed to sign someone to replace Gundogan uh, and and paid the price. And now Dahoud uh, slowly starting to get on uh, in that department. Uh, Mikitarian they replaced with Dembele, if you like. Uh, and Dembele, uh, world-class potential uh, and I would say world-class performances in the second half of his one year at Dortmund. They replaced with uh, a late 20s guy from Ukraine. Uh, so you go from Mikitarian, who was world-class under Tuchel, to Dembele, who was world-class under Tuchel, to Andrei Yamulenko. Uh, again, I'm not very surprised that there's a decline in quality in the squad if, if that's the kind of deal you make. And, and if you take a look at some of the more high-priced Uh, transfers they've done. They've spent 30 million euros on Andre Schöle, who right now gets uh, lauded like he's doing some great stuff, but I think he has like one or two league goals this season. And basically he's getting praise for, you know, doing a solid job, which for 30 million uh, should be the baseline and not the, the ceiling for him. Uh, they played, I think, 25 million for Andre Yamulenko, which Uh, is a player I think many of us agree it wouldn't hurt them too much if he left again in the summer uh, the 12 million for Sebastian Rode who was an injury waiting to happen when he came and doesn't really add anything to the team uh, obviously there were some high priced transfers that worked out well uh, Akanji looks pretty solid for example Maxi Philip uh, also around about 20 million was a good signing but there were too many misses uh, Also with, with some of the talents they signed and uh, have already left again in Emre Moore, Don Miquel Merino, a few others. Uh, that just too many decisions that didn't work out to uh, replenish the squad after some of the big names left and some of the, the players with a lot of responsibilities in, in the play. So uh, the deterioration of quality in the team is very much a thing and something that Dortmund will need to address in the summer or, you know, the the natural state of things with Dortmund as the number two club in Germany is in danger, I think. I mean, uh, we always hear from fans about how much money Dortmund made of Aubameyang, uh, Dembele, a few others, but it's not like Dortmund can reinvest that one-on-one. -on -one. And as you said, their wage structure isn't really competitive with the top eight, ten clubs in the world. So 
their decisions really need to be on point and too often they haven't been yeah well it's 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 uh, you know it's really hard to expect them for you know every transfer to really work out but i think what they should have done better for example last summer when they really did have a lot of money I actually think they should have invested into a center back much earlier than uh, they did in, in during the winter. I think that was sort of a correction. Maybe that was their late reaction to Sven Bender leaving. Maybe they were planning with him as a center back. I don't know. Um, but then again, Sven Bender also not the best center back in the world. So, um, you know, if you have any sort of ambition, that's not going to be your plan. Uh, my even bigger criticism will be, though, that they did not really find any sort of cover for the fullbacks. Uh, Jeremy Tolian has been a fringe player at Hoffenheim, and you can't expect him to step out, uh, uh, step out into the fold and and basically, um, yeah, deliver on a on a you know level that you need when you're Borussia Dortmund, where you are dependent on your fullbacks because obviously you usually play a lot of offensive attacking football that means your fullbacks need to win one-on-one battles or you will be easily exposed and I've been critical of Lukas Piszczek a lot because I think he struggles every now and then he is not the youngest anymore he sometimes has weird passes in him Um, kudos to him for the last couple of weeks I think he has actually improved but nevertheless he is also touch and go with his injuries you basically have to plan with him missing maybe nine or ten games a season and uh, Jeremy Tolian is not a great backup Felix Paslak sadly rots away at Hoffenheim's second team right now and I think they were really banking on him uh, making the next step this season and then returning as basically the the fullback in Spee but uh, if you looked at Paslak's uh, last season at Dortmund um he already wasn't great, so you sort of could have expected that something like that could happen. So big criticism from me is that Dortmund just did not cover that right-back spot at all. And I think the same can be said for the left-back position because Joho Park, I'm sorry, we all thought otherwise, but it didn't work out. Rafael Guerrero, in my view, is a good player for a lot of reasons, but he does not have the defensive strength to really cover at the leg left-back spot on the level that is necessary and Masic Metzer is also a player that uh, becomes more and more injury prone so Dortmund should have reacted there as well. Eric Durm of course is a player that was on the verge of uh, never playing a game again because of his many knee injuries so that's also not a player you really want to play with uh, or plan with I mean so that really only leaves you with Schmelzer and Piszczek as your fullbacks and then you maybe have Tolian dangling around here and there but there are already rumors about him maybe moving to Italy so this is definitely a position Dortmund have to address you already addressed the um, center midfield I think uh, when it comes to the uh, attacking midfield Dortmund are actually fine with Kagawa, Götze, Royce yeah I don't care maybe even Schürrle they have a lot of talent uh, if you see that Christian Pulisic and Jaden Sancho you know what kind of players they are I think Dortmund are very much fine but uh, again the striker position could have been addressed differently um, they sort of knew for a very long time that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was to leave at some point now he did this winter I think they did a very fantastic job in uh, lining up Batshuayi as a replacement but we saw 
that after playing, I think, six or seven games in a row, this guy also got tired after not playing too many games at Chelsea. And then Alexander Isak, as much as I think he's a great talent, I also think he is not on the level yet to just come in and, uh, you know, be a full-on striker. Maybe that can happen in the future, but I actually think Dortmund should have had another backup striker from another caliber because you can never guarantee that the focal point of your attack stays healthy throughout the season. And if he's injured, then Dortmund are really screwed. Um, yes, Dortmund could potentially put Marco Reus or André Schöle or Maximilian Philipp into the striker mode. But I gotta say, to do that in the middle of the season, I feel very much iffy about that. And uh, we see right now with Batshuayi that they really depend on a player with a good hold-up play. And I don't know about any of these players doing that. To me, they're all sort of the player type that needs to run into space, which is fine too, but uh, just not what Dortmund need right now. I don't know about you, Lars, but um, I really do think Dortmund could have done much better planning their striker position as they've done over the last maybe two or three years. Yeah, and, the, and it's not like that's only hindsight speaking. Like, as you said, Obama Young uh, was basically begging to leave for like three or four transfer windows until they finally caved or he finally found a club that was really willing to pony up so uh going into this season with only Alexander Isak behind him uh was probably a bit naive and they almost paid the price if Batshuayi wasn't you know uh, a player that doesn't need a lot of time to get accustomed to New surroundings, obviously, uh, because in terms of his scoring output, he's basically picked up the torch from Aubameyang. There's not really a huge difference, uh, in terms of the goals Dortmund get from this, from the main striker, but, uh, also the inability to give him breaks without losing, uh, you know, that, that real scoring threat is something that would have hurt them, for example, if they uh, advanced in Europe. So. Yeah, but squad planning in a couple of positions just not, you know, up to up to Dortmund's high standards, and it's certainly one major point why this season is a lot more up and down uh, than you know even some of the not so great years under under Klopp or the second year under Tuchel. There were always some uh, spells of you know bad results or uh, a few bad performances here and there but it always felt like uh, the club on a whole was moving in a decent trajectory and can't really say the same about this season no i'm afraid i have to agree with you there um bvb forever asks how much change do you realistically expect to happen in summer and can we finally close the gap on Bayern? uh on the first part of the question going but by what um, Zorc and Watzka are saying, I think we can actually expect quite a lot of change. I think that uh, they will analyze the season and they will hopefully see that not a lot of things were going great. And I think that they will tell a lot of players they need to be cut. At least that's what I hope they will do because uh, there needs to be a lot of change. Um, you know, players like Gonzalo Castro, Nori Schein, Maybe even Rafael Guerrero, as much as I like him as a footballer, I I have my doubts about him. I don't think he has the fighting spirit that uh, is maybe needed. Um, 
I don't know if if uh, it works out if if they do not hire a coach that uh, plays Tuchel like possession from football. I don't think he even fits. So um, you know, Sebastian Rode, Eric Durm, I don't know Socrates. I think there's a very long list of of players that will yeah be advised to to move elsewhere. I think also a couple of uh, starters right now. I don't know about you, Lars, but I at least expect quite a bit of you know, reshuffling in the summer. I don't know if that helps to close the gap on Bayern necessarily, but uh, you can definitely get the get the feeling that the club officials right now are not at all happy with the team they have. Yeah, and they shouldn't be, and uh, they also shouldn't be happy with the job they did in putting this squad together. Um, the, the, the gap to Bayern will not be closed. Uh, it can't be closed. There's too much of a financial disadvantage uh, from Dortmund's point of view, it's the same thing basically for uh, since the last or in the last five years and for the next five years. And unless Bayern screw up in a major, massive way, like maybe they make a terrible appointment and they uh, hire Thomas Tuchel, which forces Mats Hummels to come back to Dortmund, and that turns it, all around last. Yeah, no, right. uh, <laughs> it wouldn't. Uh, but even even if they they make a terrible appointment, uh, the the substance of the club is so much greater than uh, that of all the other clubs in Germany. That that gap is just not going to come down. So they they really have to mess up in a major way for a club that plays basically a perfect season, like the first Tuchel season in the Bundesliga was, until the final few match days was very strong for Dortmund, and they weren't particularly close with. Uh, at that point, Pep Guardiola's Bayern. So uh, Dortmund need to play that kind of season as the second team in Germany and Bayern need to have, you know, uh, Felix Magath getting sacked in, in, in autumn kind of season. So, uh, and for the, for the other thing, uh, I do expect quite a lot of turnover in the squad. As you mentioned, uh, a few players will be, uh, shopped around. Not sure they are going to find clubs for someone like Rode, who also will be looking to stay on his nice contract, I assume, because there's no chance in hell some other club in Germany will pay him what Dortmund are paying him right now. But uh, in terms of players coming in, they will sign a, to a, a goalkeeper. Uh, question is, will it be a number one or a number two? Uh, they are presumably going to sign a fullback, uh, seeing as they aren't really happy with uh, Jeremy Toria and Pischek is old. A uh, lot of rumors about Jonas Hector of Cologne for the left side. Um, could see them signing a centre-back, especially if Socrates leaves. They have basically announced, uh, for all intents and purposes, that they are going to sign a central midfielder with a different profile to what they have right now. And, you know, I would say they need two strikers probably, unless uh, Alexander Isaac does much better in training than he does in what little game time he gets under Peter Stöger. So that alone is like five quality starter level players presumably coming in. And as always, there's a chance that someone like Julian Weigel leaves uh, or that someone else will be lured away, even though... Uh, Dortmund don't really have too many players right now that are too attractive for bigger clubs. But, you know, that you always have to factor in that something else could happen. So you could be looking at like six quality signings they need to make and at least as many players going the other way. And that's 
that's quite an eventful summer uh, once again. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you have zero guarantee that they will get everything right. So, um, and that is a nice little segue to the next question. Um, excellent again. He asks, who can be a realistic alternative to Lautaro Martinez? Do you think the bosses slept regarding his engagement? Well, if you open the newspaper and you see that Dortmund came too late with a $40 million bid on a player and uh, maybe there was a chance, but no, there, as it appears to be, isn't because he's already on his way to Inter, then I think that leads us to conclude a yes. I don't know how you see it. Um, I honestly do not have too many ideas in my head for players that could join Dortmund as strikers next season. I, I just don't, I don't know. The, the market is very thin and there's just not too many great players out there that could fit the mold. I don't think that Batshuayi will remain a Dortmund player beyond the summer. So um, it's going to be tricky. I know, Lars, you watch a little bit more international football than I do. Um I don't really see anyone in the Bundesliga particularly right now. So um, if anyone else springs to mind, be my guest. I'm sadly out of my depth with that question. I gladly take suggestions and then follow up on them. Yeah, it is difficult. Uh, Dortmund will probably need to get creative. Uh, one idea I had recently was maybe they can get Batshuayi for just another season on loan. Uh depends presumably on the coaching situation at Chelsea with uh, Antonio Conte. Possibly, presumably, I don't know how the, his status at the moment looks, but it, there are many rumblings that he's going to leave Chelsea, so maybe Batshuayi will get another chance there. Then again, they have Alvaro Morata and just signed Olivier Giroud on a long-term deal, so it's not like uh, many clubs keep three starting caliber central strikers uh, especially a club like Chelsea that has a lot of uh, strong attacking midfielder slash winger types you know the Hazards and, and Petros and Williams so it's not like they are too likely to suddenly play 4-4-2 in my opinion with two out and out strikers so I wouldn't be ruling out Batshuayi on a another loan uh, just yet even though it's presumably unlikely um Yeah, in the Bundesliga, the only guy theoretically is prob uh, probably uh, Fita up of Hamburg, but he's only 18. Uh, going down with Hamburg, it looks like uh, he's not ready to be a starter for Dortmund at the moment. He's just, uh, you know, the the next big thing in terms of Bundesliga strikers, and I'm I'm pretty confident uh, that he's going to become a very good player. Uh, so Dortmund should be looking to get in on that. Uh, so the, the 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 question really is, is there someone, uh, you know, internationally? And the, the guy I'm coming back to from last season, basically, is Kaspar Dolberg, who's not having the greatest season at Ajax. He's been injured the entire Uh, calendar year 2018, he fell behind Klaas-Jan Hünteler in the packing order, which is a bit of a red flag, but then again, Hünteler is kind of a club legend at Ajax and scoring really well uh, for them. Also, there were obviously coaching changes after Bosch came to Dortmund. They uh, replaced his 
successor relatively early in the season. So a lot of turmoil for a young player like him. Uh, so maybe that's a mitigating factor in his uh, deteriorating performances in uh, comparison to last season uh, or the season before under Peter Bosch where he was really, really good. Uh, he still has the profile Dortmund should be looking for. He's uh, physically strong, good technician, can uh, hold up play, can play with his back to the goal. He can score goals. So maybe his uh, worst season at Ajax is actually a blessing in disguise for Dortmund who should be able to afford this kind of player, uh, you know, spending maybe like 13 million on a bit of a project at striker is always a bit uh, dangerous, but I don't see too many other options. And then when you consider that they uh, seemingly offered uh, $40 million, which is like 32.5 or so million uh, euros for Lautaro Martinez, who's younger than Dolberg, who's playing in Argentina and who's not really an out-and-out number nine uh in terms of his 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 body type and physicality and whatever, uh, if if they are were willing to sign uh, or to to pay that much for Lautaro, then you know Dolberg shouldn't be too scary for them. All right, next question. There was a rumor that said that Royce could be the new captain in the next season. Do you see this happening? Can this mean that a new left back will arrive and finally send Schmelzer to the bench as? Locus Pelo BVB. Um, you already mentioned that rumor. Uh, I actually would appreciate Royce getting the captain's armband, as I already said on the last podcast. I am really impressed by his development. I think he has matured a lot, and I also think he has become more of a leader than Marcel Schmelzer is right now. Especially the way he plays football. He is a player that encourages other teammates a little bit more to put in an extra little shift or the extra run here and there. Masaj Metzer described it at the one press conference actually quite well himself. And uh, yeah, so I'm all for Marco Royce as a captain. Um, if you had me asked two years ago and uh, who would be the successor to Hummels, I would have said Schmelzer, but as things have developed, I actually would favor Royce now, but uh To be honest, to me, the captain's armband is a little bit more semantics than anything else. Um, but yeah, I do think and hope that a new left back will come in, whether that be uh, Hector or not, I don't know. But uh, I think they're looking for someone. Um, next question, Abel Mescheros asks, which one of you is driving Socrates to the Dortmund airport the night of the last match to catch his flight to Manchester? Uh, since I don't have a driver's license, that should be you last. Yeah, happy to if he's uh, willing to get into my pretty old, not great looking car after, you know, spending so much time in close proximity to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's uh, weekly Bugatti delivery. <laughs> All right, Abel, with a hopefully more serious question, thoughts on the Heinz Hector rumors, only if they drop in brackets, which I think isn't all that uh, given that Cologne actually go down. It's five points and they still play Mainz and Wolfsburg. So everything to play for other centre-back targets like Mark Oliver Kempf, injury-prone but free or Pavar out of the price range. <laughs> um, I do not like Dominic Heinz. I just don't think he is Dortmund material. I think he is a decent but not great centre-back who um, has his moments 
especially when he has his starting runs forwards and um I don't know overall he he is a solid player but he just makes too many mistakes I don't know if this is just my impression of a very torrid Cologne season correct me if I'm wrong Lars but I just don't see uh, Dominique Heinz from Cologne coming I can see Hector definitely fitting in I think there are better left backs in the world I don't know if uh, Dortmund can get better left backs than Jonas Hector a German international player especially if it's on a release clause so um, I think that is actually a transfer they should you know put their focus on if they do not have any better alternatives um what's your opinion on mark oliver kempf or pavard you know the latter i think is pretty clear would be a very nice fit uh quickly uh just on heck i, I agree completely on heinz he's also not really young enough to be a talent uh, anymore so signing him would be kind of uh unambitious uh, in my opinion uh hector is not a better left back than marcel schmelzer in my opinion uh, I think people's uh, view on him is being uh, are being uh, inflated by the fact that he's uh, for reasons uh, unbeknownst to me uh, in much higher regard of Joachim Löw than Schmelzer is. I think this is a typical the grass is always greener on the other side uh, kind of situation where people look only at the positives uh, in Hector and the negatives in Schmelzer when actually I don't think Dortmund would improve uh at all in my opinion or it's certainly not improved too much anyway uh so it's a no from me uh if they want to sign a left back from the bundesliga they should try to get juan bernat of bayern who will supposedly be allowed to leave uh because he's not happy sitting behind david alaba which is kind of understandable uh kempf i've not seen in the bundesliga in a while uh he's always injured uh i would assume that he's going to be a, a starter at a club that's a little smaller than dortmund uh even though schalke rumored to be interested and they are more likely to be in the champions league next season than dortmund in my opinion but that's a discussion for another episode i guess uh pavar great player uh with high ceiling but also he's already very good but I don't think Dortmund are going to be able to afford uh, him. He's going to be, you know, the 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 next big centre back signing for some of the the bigger clubs. Uh, him being French, could see PSG interested. He can also play at right back where they have Dani Alves, who's uh, quite old. Um, and the the, the one guy, <clears throat> sorry, in the Bundesliga that that I think would be a perfect addition for Dortmund is actually Waldemar Anton of Hannover. Uh, he played decently against him uh, on Sunday, but he, from his profile, he can also play right back. He can be a defensive number six if Dortmund play uh, like Bayern uh, away in the cup or, you know, City in the Champions League or some of these games where <clears throat> even Thomas Tuchel like to uh be a bit more cautious in, in in his approach he's good enough to play uh, uh those two positions on top of being a very solid center back uh he's got good physicality and playing at hanover uh without you know the focus of uh the international uh transfer market on him like pava i think they are actually comparable players in terms of their 
output right now, Pava probably has more potential for the future. But Anton, you can probably get for, I don't know, 20 million or so, uh, maybe even a little less, whereas Pavar is probably going to go for like double that. So if Dortmund are looking at center backs in that price range, which I'm not sure even if Socrates leaves, uh, I think Waldemar Anton of Hannover is the way to go. Yeah, if I may make uh, one more shot at the center back position, um, that I could actually see happening is, um, the, uh, partner crime of, uh, Pavard. That's Timo Baumgartel. I actually think he's like 22 years old or so. I think he's a decent player who also has a high ceiling in my view. And, uh, if you say you enter the season with Akanji and, uh, Toprak as your clear number one and number two and then, Zagadou and Baumgartel is number three and four. I think that would be a decent quadruple of center backs. I don't know if there could be better center backs, but, uh, you know, it's always tricky for Dortmund to get players. Uh, you know, maybe even they would settle for a player like Salif Sané, who has his qualities. Um, uh, although if, actually, uh, the third guy of Stuttgart is also kind of interesting. Uh, Holger Bartschuhe. <laughs> I could actually see Dortmund going for, you know, some experience, especially if Socrates leaves, uh, you know, Akanji is, uh, uh, inexperienced in Germany. Zagadou is a teenager. Toprak is injured, uh, quite a bit. I don't think he's played more than like 27 or 28 games, uh, in any of the last six or seven seasons. So you need, or I could see Dortmund going, let's put it that way, for someone with some experience. Uh, Bart Schuber is out of contract at Stuttgart. He said this week he wants to be back in the Champions League. So uh, obviously he has the injury problems, but he's been able to play 20 of 27 games this season, I believe, uh, and done really well for Stuttgart. I agree. Uh, that, that's... I think that there there would be some charm in in Dortmund getting this long time Bayern and one year Schalke Loni kind of guy to play you know fifteen or so quality games in a season. I think that that would be something I I would be looking forward to. Yeah, better called Zork. <laughs> All right, um, we have three more questions. Grant asks, with Julian Weigel struggling for form and the never-ending rumors linking him to other clubs, could you see him making the move to another club this summer? I think personally that will definitely depend on who who will be the next coach because Julian Weigel isn't dumb. And I think Julian Weigel has realized he is a very good player in a possession-focused team and he is not a very good player in anything else. And if, say, Pep Guardiola come around and say, yo, Jule, come over here, then I think this is something that could happen. Um, and, of course, Weigel will also just think long and hard about uh, his own perspective as, at Dortmund and all the talk about the uh, Xabi Alonso-like player types they have. Uh, you know, then again, Vatsko also said that they are trying to build the future with Weigel. I don't know how much, you know, how much you can read into that, but, um, you know, it would be sad to see the player like him leave, but, um, if Dortmund opt to play a football that's not suited for Weigel, it's probably the best for both parties if he, uh, yeah, just leaves. Maybe he will be frustrated to not make the World Cup team, but, um, honestly, Germany have so much talent in that position that, you know, it's always going to be hard to play 
there if you can only play on one position and one style. But uh, that being said, Weigel usually would be a player that could fit into Germany's playing style. But um, still, I think Löw has better alternatives. And that, I guess, unless you wanted to say something on the subject, last brings us to Brooks' question. And he asks, which BVB player will make the World Cup squad? I would uh, say Marco Royce and... I don't know if Götze will actually make it, even though I think he has the potential, but tricky. Yeah, actually, I have uh, an article on that on Fußball.news coming out, or having come out, presumably, when this episode drops. Uh, and I'm also uh, assuming that only Marco Reus uh, is going to make the Germany squad. Uh, Götze, Götze's main problem, in my opinion, is that, that Löw considers him to be this attacking player, which he just isn't at any longer. Uh, he, uh, Löw said this week that he wants, uh, Götze to be more active in pushing forward into striking positions and, and whatever. That's just not his game anymore. Uh, I never really liked Götze as the false nine for Germany, even though he basically decided the World Cup in their favor, uh, four years ago. Uh, I, I think he's better as, you know, kind of number eight. And as you said before, in terms of Weigel, there's a lot of competition there. So it's going to be difficult for him. Ultimately, the bonus is that, uh, Löw is usually very loyal to players who've done well under him. So, uh, Götze and maybe even Schürrle, even though that would be a colossal mistake, in my opinion. Uh, they, they have, that thing going for them that they won Germany the World Cup and and finally won Löw one of these tournaments so maybe that factors into it uh quickly on on players not from Germany I think uh Akanji is safe for uh, Switzerland Piszczek is safe for Poland uh, Batshua is pretty safe for Belgium, but... I would have said Kagawa is safe for Japan, but then again, uh, who knows? he might be injured. <laughs> yeah, who knows uh, when he's coming back from a rather mysterious injury, which I'm not even sure German, uh, Germany, uh, which I'm not even sure Dortmund have, like, properly announced what exactly is going on with him. No, the explanation for that is that uh, they once got burned on uh, releasing the exact detail of uh, Socrates injury and uh, he basically had a hair fracture or heirloom fracture or whatever you call it and uh, you know then in the papers it someone wrote there was reckless that Dortmund played a player with a broken leg or something and since then they decided to not release any detailed information on injuries anymore because people uh, could make something wrong out of that and uh, make Dortmund out to be careless but now they only fuel speculations, so it's going to go in the other direction. I don't know if that's the better plan, but that's the explanation for why Dortmund did not have issued a detailed explanation of uh, or diagnosis on Kagawa's injury. Yeah, uh, and finally, uh, I think finally, may may have missed someone, but Guerrero is also safe for Portugal. Uh, he he was called up for this international break uh, without having played for Dortmund in weeks. So that kind of tells you that his spot is safe as long as he can walk because we already know that uh, Portugal will play him no matter what, even when he's injured and will miss months for Dortmund afterwards. Yeah, Christian Pulisic will def... Oh, wait. <laughs> um, but, I, but I actually think that Jaden Sancho has a good chance to make the England squad. That's Are you serious? 
Yeah, I, I think I think he. I, I don't know if he. He's not going to play five minutes in the in the rest of the Bundesliga season. Yeah, well, in, it's sugar. If, if if that's the case, then yeah, forget it. But I I think quality wise, he should be in there. I'm not saying he should be a starter, but I think he should have, you know, be be a squad player because I think he can actually make a difference on the football pitch late in the game. That's my opinion. Are Ukraine qualified? Even can remember. Uh, don't think so. Sweden definitely are, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but so. Isaac is not going to make it. Apparently not, no. So yeah, that's, uh, I guess, wraps up our international break Q&A podcast. Lars, thanks again for joining me and uh, answering with such patience all the questions. And of course, thank you to all listeners for pitching in such questions. Um. Any final words before we return next week with the Bayern Munich preview? Free, free, yeah, free, please, Michael Lothrop. That's my statement, my mission statement for the rest of the season, basically. Free Michael Lothrop. Well, uh, there was one thing we actually wanted to talk about, and that was Hussein Bolt making a marketing stunt appearance, whatever you want to call it. On Friday at Borussia Dortmund's training ground, the uh, training session will be live streamed on their Facebook and YouTube channels. Um, gotta say, it's really shitty timing to do it now because Aubameyang is, is definitely gone. So there is no sprint to add Dortmund's best key asset for Puma to sell anything. And Marco Royce is injured yet again because Dortmund were too careless and Peter Stöger. Doesn't really strike me like the uh, player, uh, the, the coach that speaks English well enough to really, you know, have something for a company like Puma to get anything out of there in terms of marketing. So I'm not really sure what this is all about. We obviously bought this only in Dortmund because of the Puma connection. Um, there is no other reason for that. And he has already talked about playing for Manchester United. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I think he won't be good enough to play football on the pro level. Um, what do you think, Lars? It's a nice marketing stunt, but is it really necessary at this moment in Dortmund season? Even like, I think it's completely out of place. Yeah, it feels completely off. Uh, as you said, uh, Aubameyang and Royce were kind of the, even though Aubameyang obviously is a Nike guy, so you don't really know how much, uh, interaction he would have had with, uh, Bolt. But Royce not being there, the 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 German face of uh, Puma basically, uh, and you know Dortmund season not going too well. It, the weather is shitty in Germany at the moment, uh, especially for someone from the Caribbean. <laughs> so uh, like the entire thing just feels like uh, Dortmund couldn't get out of a contract or something, and they just wanted to get it over with. Which is why they didn't have like this two, three week build up to it. They basically announced it, I think, this week and gave uh, journalists like half an hour basically to, to ask for accreditations. So, uh, the entire, th I'm not even going to watch it basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I missed that email, Borussia Dortmund. I, you know, the deadline was on Thursday at 12 and uh, 12 p.m. and I saw it around too. So really well done with that. It's so weird because things like that are planned from a very long time, even though the uh, Houston Ballot Twitter account won't, wouldn't suggest that. Nevertheless, uh, that journalists have hardly been briefed on that at any 
point whatsoever. It doesn't really give me the impression that Dortmund are really invested into this whole thing either. Yeah, and, and, and as I said, I'm not going to watch it, uh, certainly not live. Uh, I, I don't think I'm the target audience, so it's perfectly fine for me not to watch it. Um, the, the, the entire thing would have made much more sense, like summer prep, sunny Austria, here's a running track, put Aubameyang, or if he doesn't want to do it because of Nike, put Royce couldn't walk at the time, put someone... Uh, in track shoes, let him run uh, the the 100 meters against Bolt, so he can win. Then have him not knocked by Jaden Sancho, or whatever, uh, on the pitch, and and be done with it. But now, you know, with all the things going on, I th I mean, uh, last week uh, Dortmund players were in court talking about harrowing experiences with the bus bombing, and now they. Uh, are on this on the, the the training pitch with Usain Bolt for marketing purposes. It, it just feels off to me, but but maybe I'm too much of a cynic, and players actually will enjoy, you know, the the spectacle or whatever. Well, I'm I'm sure they will be sort of excited to finally see a real world star on a Dortmund training ground. So that would be the only reason why I would have moved there. But obviously, I missed the accreditation deadline. Um, but yeah. Houston Bolt is uh, definitely a, a superstar worldwide. I think he is big icon and uh, certainly would have been nice to meet this guy for like two seconds. But um, yeah, not going to happen for me. And uh, with that, I think I have better things to do on my Friday afternoon than this sort of crap. So um, yeah, on that, on this uh, very uncynical notion, I think it's time to get the heck out of here. Lars, where can people find you on the Twitter and your work. Is it the Twitter now? Uh, they can follow me on that site uh, at Lars Polman and either using their impressive German skills or whatever translator app works best for you, you can also read my written work on foosball.news. Very well. You can find me on the Twitter at Stefan Butzko. You can find my written work on ESPNFC. And for the German listeners out there, I'm afraid an app will probably not do it because it's printed. Uh, I wrote a book called Es gibt nur eine Borussia, available in all bookstores in Germany and Amazon. So please buy it so I can afford more currywurst. And uh, on that notion, we also do have a Patreon account and uh, there will be currywurst thick and fast coming in the next few days because we i have three cups to send away so thanks again if you want to contribute there are still macaroys cups left for example or just pledge a dollar or whatever go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall otherwise if you want to get in touch with the whole of us do that on yellowwallpod.com and uh, our twitter is at yellowwallpod and so is our facebook page so yeah And if you want to subscribe to the show, of course, do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And please leave us all the best ratings and whatnot. I heard this sort of helps with the algorithm. I don't care. But, uh, you know, if you have five seconds, please do that. And most importantly, maybe the best way to support us is just to share the show because we do not have a lot of budget to spend on, uh, you know, social media to put money on that and then have it reach new audience. No, we certainly depend more on, uh, as we say in Germany, mouth propaganda. So uh, please share the show if you like it. 
And uh, yeah, that should be all from us for now. Until next week with the Bayern preview. Goodbye.